and welcome to the Found Cause. We are found our cause in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael May. I'm behind the machine, and to my right is Sebastian, the bookkeeper. We are here once again in person. How nice is that? Theodore is down with a fever, so we are not seeing him this week. But frankly, um, he doesn't usually come all the way out here since I moved to this house. Anyways, so uh, we're all in person today, which is a really good feeling. Mm -hmm. But Theodore still makes his presence known, however. Because uh, we look through, we at the Found Cause have a topic list, an Excel spreadsheet that has all our different topics we're going to do per week. And um, often the question is, who wrote this? Like you, me, uh, Theodore. Um, we know it's Theodore almost always because, uh, well, I come up with some title name and so does Sebastian, some name for the episode. Theodore creates like a paragraph and that's supposed to be the name of the episode. Um, and today's paragraph was something very large and it was about... Uh, the nature of how scripture is God's word um, versus the word of man. So we're going to do our best to take the spirit of Theodore's uh, topic suggestion while he's out with a fever. And today's episode's theme is this. There are two opponents to God's word that are subtle and one that is not subtle. The non-subtle we've addressed in other episodes and we'll briefly address it here. And that is that some say, atheists, other religions, they say the Bible is entirely fabricated it's fake it's bad okay while there might be portions of that argument that challenge christians usually we all know the response to that we know it's an attack on the bible because it's saying it's an attack on the bible and the rest of the bible we know as christians we believe the bible so when you blatantly attack the bible we know to defend it um, the subtler attack on christianity there's two forms of it are are this one says that did god really say insert the scripture here uh, and that comes from a more liberal school of thought and even not just necessarily like crazy liberals from germany or wherever else but also from seminaries here in the united states where well-meaning conservative christians go where people question um sometimes it starts with genesis 1 and 2 is this really god's word because it sounds like earth is really old this is probably additions from later later hebrews trying to interpret the way the, the earth was created um, or they add in lots of other stuff like, well, this is what man's interpretation of what God told them was. So we're still Christians and mm -hmm. we still believe the Bible is true, but um, there are portions of it that aren't actually God's word. And then uh, the third attack would be that it, a variation on that one where like portions of the Bible aren't God's word. Some will say that I only believe in the red letters of the Bible. They're only red letter Christians, meaning they only believe the words that are Sometimes, sometimes in older Bibles, kind of like the 50s through the 80s, um, some Bibles were inked in red for mm -hmm. the words specifically of Jesus in the New Testament. They say, they say I'm only a red letter Christian because all the rest of the words are not God's word. Only Jesus's words are God's word. We're going to address all of that today and we're going to use scripture to do it. But before I begin, Sebastian, do you have any like other to topics or haters of scripture that you want to discuss before we dive in? Any attacks you've heard? Attacks? No. I'm just... What It shocked me when I moved here that there were people that are red letters, uh, only red letters. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of that in Peru or other parts of the world. So you know, that's I'll, all I'll say. I'll speak. One of my grandmothers, um, she claims to be a red letter Christian as well. So I guess close enough to home. I was trying to find before we started the episode, I have a red letter Bible that was given to me when I recited the scripture or recited all the names of the... Bible books in like first grade, whatever. I have that Bible somewhere. It has red letters. 
um, but I couldn't find it. So clearly I'm not Red Letter Christian nor Sebastian. And we also believe, and just to start the episode out with what a positive affirmation of what we believe as Christians and all Christians should believe this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe it is the dividing line between somebody who's saved and not saved, but I do believe it is integral for the proper Christian living to hold this belief. And that is that all of scripture, so all the words of the Bible are in the in their original inscriptions called an autograph when they were originally written are the exact words of god um that's the blanket statement and what we have today in the bible is close enough to the autograph that we can definitively say that the bible that we have today is the word of god so when we read of it (laughs) it's the word of god that's the only reason to make that caveat is that we know that human hands have transcribed the bible and we know that god does not possess anyone who's copying the bible and therefore um Sometimes a number might be out because of the way numbers were transcribed. Sometimes there might be extra stuff in there that's small and, and doesn't really affect the meaning of the text, um, but it's there from textual copying. But we know that the Bible has not been changed in spirit because we have so many different versions of the Bible and we can test them all to see where they differ and why they differ. And then we see the parts that have been added um, via that. So God has really preserved his word through some of those differences as well. It is. It's one of the best attested works of antiquity. I would not only because we appreciate the work James White does, but this is actually his area of expertise, textual manuscripts Mm -hmm. and analysis of the reliability of the New and mostly New Testament, also Old Testament, and how we have so much information from all these manuscripts, tiny or huge texts, that we can know with certainty. This is what the original said. So I would like to add on what you said. We know that the original manuscripts written by Moses, by Paul, Isaiah, you get the point, is exactly what God intended to put down because I used to have this belief in the past that it was the human was possessed by the Holy Spirit and then like a robot, like a typewriter started typing, which I don't think is the case. I think that these people wanted to write what they wanted to write, and then we'll get to specifics too. But God intended every single word that occurred to them to be put on the page exactly as he wanted to. Calvinism question mark and And there are times in which it's not just the human speaking that will take Isaiah we'll get into that but it's also Yahweh himself that speaks or in the New Testament it's not just Luke writing the accounts of what happened and then on Tuesday I'm just saying on Tuesday Jesus and Peter went to the market okay and then yes there's that and then it also quotes the exact words of Jesus that's what I mean. You you see it in the New Testament and in the old in the Old Testament. So both are exactly what God intended to be put on page and paper. Right. And therefore, even though when somebody quotes like King Saul saying, I hate God, that's not a quote from King Saul, but something evil that Saul did um, or says, even though that's not God's word because he didn't say what Saul said, we consider it God's word because it was written with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and therefore it's right and true, the quotation of Saul. So in that case, we can differentiate like when God says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and last, the beginning, and the end from when Pilate says, like, I wash my hands clean of this. Both are God's word, but only one of them is the word of God, like from God's mouth. And so um, 
We consider it all God's word because it's true and holy and purposed by God, as we said, through men and written by the Holy Spirit, but it's not all literally spoken from the mouth of God because men wrote it. And the reason we say that just experientially is because each one of the Bible's books um, with different authors has different writing styles and whatever else, and some of them speak in first person. So clearly they're written by the person that's writing them. It's not like the person didn't write them, like they didn't choose their own words and whatever else. But like Sebastian said, God and his predestining of all things predestined perfection from these men when they wrote the books and um, his, his message was communicated through them. So that's that's the end of that. It's very distinct. You'll have in places, I don't think we need to delve in that, but in Islam, the Quran is, it, Muhammad is a typewriter, pretty much. It's just a printing machine. It's, it even starts in verses, say prophet, and tells him what to say, and he just re recites it and repeats it. So the Bible is different from that format. And, and there are portions of the Bible, like we just discussed in Isaiah and other prophets, that are the words of God directly carried mm -hmm. through the prophets that wrote them or spoke them. Um, like Muhammad was supposed to do, but Muhammad supposedly did not write any words of his own. It was all straight from God, kind of like Joseph Smith uh, was translating. Supposedly none of the words of his own from the Book of Mormon. It was all mm -hmm. straight from um, the hieroglyphics. So let's start with this base question, Sebastian. We assert this. So I just asserted, Sebastian just asserted that the whole of the Bible is God's word. Why do we assert that? Is it just because my Bible teacher told me so? Is it because the Christian faith falls apart? If we don't say that, why do we say that? It's not because of our teachers. It's not because of church councils or tradition. It's because scripture that's inspired by God, that same God that we worship, tells us so. And we have verification from one of the witnesses to Jesus himself, mm -hmm. Peter. Would Who you says, want to read? Yeah, sure. Would you want to read we got, it? We've got a whole bunch of scripture lined up for you. Uh, at core, I'll say the reason we believe that scripture is God believed, God breathed in its entirety, is because of scripture. Now, some might say it's circular. You're using scripture to prove that scripture is true. I would say one: we as Christians believe that Christ, that the Bible is true because how else do we know about Jesus except through His Word? Um, but two. If we don't believe that, that any of the Bible is God's word, um, or we don't believe anybody but Jesus is, is the truth of God's word, we should believe Jesus when he calls the rest of Scripture God's word, and therefore we should take Scripture seriously. So we're going to use Scripture to argue why you should believe all of Scripture is true. And this really combats anybody who is a true Christian, who, who therefore believes the Bible, but maybe like, well, maybe not Genesis 1 and 2 are God's word, or maybe like only the parts that are red letters are God's word or whatever else. We want to combat those. We're not combating people like atheists or Bart Ehrman who would say like, well, the original manuscripts are unknowable because there's, you know, so many years in between when they were written, whatever. I mean, we can, we've talked about that before. Uh -huh. It's not true, but whatever else. Um, this is really for Christians who believe the Bible, why you can strongly and from scripture assert that scripture is all God's word. Now I get to the quote, and we'll keep quoting scripture from this point on. Second Peter, chapter 1, this is again Peter speaking, one of the prime apostles. He says this, We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. I'll pause. The prophetic message, the scriptures, are completely reliable. I'll go back. And you would do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Pause again. Some would say that 
the understandings of the Bible, especially the Old Testament, because people like to hate on the Old Testament. They're afraid to hate on the New Testament half the time. Um, they would say that, well, Judges, 1 Samuel, Leviticus, these are all just understandings of the people of the time of what God was saying. He would never actually command they kill all the Canaanites. That was just like what they thought God was saying to them. No, in contrast, in the New Testament, which people like more than the Old typically, Peter says, and definitely speaking of the Old Testament, if not the New too, he says that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, through human, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now you may, I'm going to pause, that's the end of the quote. You may think, well, Michael, when you say prophets and spoke for God, carried along by the Holy Spirit, maybe that's only the prophets like Isaiah or Jeremiah, and it doesn't include things like Samuel or Exodus or things that aren't directly quoting God. Um, that's where we go to other scripture. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was I wasn't even thinking. Actually, we just dealt with this in Acts that um, the Saint Peter in in the temple cites from Genesis, "I will raise a prophet like you," and that's God speaking to Moses. So Moses is a prophet of God, mm -hmm. and Moses authored the first five books of the Bible. So it definitely includes Genesis. Right, and so we would consider anybody who writes scripture, and there are other defenses of why certain books are in scripture and whatever else. We're not going to defend canon here. David is a prophet too. Um, but right, anybody who writes portions of scripture is considered a prophet because they are channeling God, even if it's um, quoting history or whatever else, and they don't know that they're channeling God, channeling God, right? They're not like quoting God directly like Isaiah might have been. They're considered a prophet, Um and Jesus himself splits the Old Testament into two things, as the Jews did in back of the day. They split into the law, which you know is directly given by God, and the prophets. So that's all that exists, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, which are prophetic. by David and other prophets. So the whole of Scripture is prophetic. It is from the prophets. Uh, we would also get this. Again, you're, you might be asking, where's the Scripture from this? I, I just quoted you Jesus, who splits it into the law and prophets, but also um, from Second Timothy. So this is from Paul. So Paul, he says, all scripture, so indicative of all scripture, at least the Old Testament. Some would say that he's not quoting, he's not talking about the New Testament, he's only talking about the Old. But in any case, people usually like the Old Testament less than the New today, so I, I don't care your point on that one. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But here he says, all scripture is God-breathed, theonostos in the Greek. Echoing what Peter wrote that... All the prophets were carried by God himself mm -hmm. to write what they wrote. Yep. So there yep. you go. Scripture yep. proving yep. that it is all God's scripture. Mm -hmm. And then you may, be, you may be thinking, but this is Paul. Is he really a prophet of God? Who, who is this Paul? Well, yeah, the whole New Testament, right? Because these people could be just referring to the Old Testament because that's the scriptures they would have been most familiar with, whatever else they've heard. And they've gotten letters um, from other prophets, uh, their apostles. Um, but do those really count as scripture? Uh-huh. And so we actually address this here. Peter Peter does, Second Peter 3. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Very true. Which ignorant and unstable people distort 
as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. You might be saying, he's just casually referring to scriptures. Isn't, that, isn't graphes just writings in Greek? Literally, yes. But that is the way the Bible and Jesus actually refers to the Old Testament and the New Testament, these scriptures. Mm -hmm. Meaning, Peter is equating the letters of Paul to what the Jews had for the last, what, 2,000 years plus? Right. And therefore, we would say, includes the apostles, includes the works of the, the New Testament scriptures do. And of course, we have other arguments for why it's canon, but just scripturally, this is where we point to and say the scripture attests of the New Testament being God's scripture, just like the Old Testament. And lastly, again, if you want Jesus's words in particular, so say you're a red letter Christian and you only want Jesus's words, I already quoted him calling the rest of scripture law and prophets, but let me also directly quote to you what he says to the Sadducees. If you're familiar with your Bible, in Matthew chapter 22, um, the Pharisees and Sadducees are questioning him at different times. And if you remember, Pharisees are a strong political order of the time. And so are the Sadducees, basically the Republicans, the Democrats of the, the court of the day, the Sanhedrin. And so the Sadducees are questioning Jesus because um, they've heard that he's on the outs with the Pharisees. And they assumed he was a Pharisee. In fact, he probably was a Pharisee, but he was calling out the Pharisees um, as far as his political alignment. So like, well, maybe he's a, you know, He's either a friend, and he'll agree with us, or he's like an extra enemy. So they, they approach him and they say, Teacher, um, what do you think? We don't believe that people are risen from the dead. Here's a conundrum um, about seven brothers being married to the same woman. Who, who is she married to in heaven? And then he responds this, You're mistaken because you don't know the scriptures. Clearly he holds the scriptures in high regard. And it's the same word, Grapheus. Uh -huh. Or the power of God. In the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Instead, they'll be like the angels in heaven. And then he says this, and this is the important part. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God spoke to you, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So the point of the quote there is that, that God is still alive. He's not a fake God, like the Sadducees said, because they were super liberal. Um, but you'll notice I. Uh, assumed portion of this is that Jesus says to them, have you not read words on a page, what God spoke to you saying. So Jesus is asserting there and without having to justify it, so clearly it's a belief of the day and Jesus himself says it, so we believe it to be true, that reading, when you read the words of the scripture, and this is a quote from Genesis, when you read the words of the scripture, um, it is God's spoken word, because he says, have you not read what God spoke to you? So Jesus himself attests that God really spoke in the Old Testament. He, of course, is God himself speaking in the New. I giggle because this is another way that Jesus roasts people. I had never really looked at it now that I'm seeing it this way. Mm -hmm. You do not know scriptures or the power of God, and they're supposed to know it. But they know anything. They don't know anything. All right. And, and they consider themselves to be wise and whatever else. So there he is roasting them. Uh, Another question that might be rising in your mind. So now we've, we've addressed that the Bible itself says that it is scripture. We address that everybody is considered a prophet in the, that, that is writing scripture. But you might question, okay, I understand that these people were writing of their own writing styles and that we have these quotations from Jesus, from his actual dialogue. But when we hear from God, I mean, not, not Jesus through the New Testament, but like God from the Old Testament or God's direct words from heaven, um, is that really God's word directly or is that some understanding from the prophets? Because 
if you are an intelligent reader of the Old Testament, you'll note that many people were called prophets who weren't actually prophesying God's word. They were prophesying like feelings or judgments from God that weren't directly his word. So they would go around to cities saying things like, Jerusalem is going to fall or this is wicked. We need to stop sacrificing babies in these altars, things like that. And that, that word, the literal words coming out of the prophet's mouth were not technically a quotation from God. They were just God's will being broadcast through prophets. And um, similarly, a lot of people got away with um, proclaiming God's will without pretending to directly quote God, but they were liars. They were ones that said, like, you have victory for this battle, um, O great king of Israel. And they were wrong, or they'd prophesy peace and prosperity if they didn't rebel against, or if they, if they um, didn't submit to the Babylonians, or if they kept sacrificing babies, or whatever <laughs> else. So um, prophets can come in a lot of different shapes and sizes. So you might be wondering, maybe Isaiah, Jeremiah, these prophets who claim to directly quote God, are really just coming up with it themselves. And the kings of the time, I think, mostly thought the same. They thought that these people were just making things up because they throw people like Isaiah and Jeremiah into prison mm -hmm. for saying the things they said. So clearly, they don't really think it's God's word. They think it's Jeremiah's word. They think it's Isaiah's word. But, and this is something Sebastian brought up, but uh, <laughs> Jeremiah, Isaiah, there's direct portions where these men are saying that the words, when they quote God directly, are from God. Mm-hmm. From Jeremiah, he actually complains to God. It's like, why are you doing this? To I'm almost saying, why are you doing this to me? You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You empowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. Again, pause. This is exactly what everyone's complaining to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, why are you prophesying all these annoying things, all these terrible things? Look at those prophets across the street that are saying, we're going to win, we're going to have wine everlasting and whatnot. In another part, God says to Jeremiah, who are these people? I never spoke to them. What are they? Get them out of here. Okay. And pause. Let's go back to the text. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say, I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. That's from Jeremiah 20. Again, showing that he wished he wouldn't be prophesying these things. Mm -hmm. Death and destruction for Jerusalem for killing babies, and oppressing the poor, killing people. You name it, all the sins that they did. And I can't, I can't stop myself. Again, to the modern day. As, we, as I mentioned before, all these so-called prophets, they wouldn't be saying, I think God told me this. Maybe he told me this, this and that. Feel called to say whatever else, yeah. No, if God speaks to you, you know God is speaking to you. So that's why I remember this from Jeremiah 20 um, ever since. He knows God is compelling him to speak and he cannot even control himself. And that's why people mock him because he's saying all these unpleasant things that God is commanding him to say, but they don't want to hear. That's a story for another day for the fall of Jerusalem. But. Yeah, yes. And then uh, just to double up on that, so Jeremiah and all the other prophets, some of them don't necessarily have some origin story like this where you know that like they hate hearing the word of God, but they have to speak it. Or like Isaiah, I'm just going to lay out, but um, we figure this is the way that prophets were called um, when, they're, when they're directly quoting God. 
Here's one from Isaiah chapter 6, where he's commissioned to do these things. He sees this big vision. He falls on his face. He knows he's unclean. An angel takes a coal from the throne of God and puts it on his lips and makes him clean. And then the Lord says, or here's the, the quote, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I, Isaiah, said, Here I am. Send me. He said, Go and tell this people. And then he gives him a direct quote. And so we figure words like this that he directly quotes god as saying yahweh is saying are from god just like this directly given to isaiah and here's a, a vision of it happening for the record this should be in red letters because john says this isaiah saw jesus mm -hmm. it's true um therefore <laughs> if you were a red letter christian we really should do away with the whole concept of red letters because the whole word of God is true, and if you're reading red letters as the only true portion of the Bible, then the whole Bible should be read. Um, but if we, for whatever reason, want to distinguish God's direct quotes from non-quotes, well, then all of God's word, including the Old Testament portion, should be in red because we believe that Jesus is God's word, and therefore here is Jesus speaking on behalf of the Father, even in Isaiah. And like Sebastian said, it's not just us making that logical connection. Also, um, John says that Isaiah saw the glory of Jesus in this vision when he sees God in the temple. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Lastly, if you're a very, very, I, I doubt anybody's really fighting me on this point yet, but um, the people who hold to views that say that the scripture is flawed in some way are very sly with the way they reason things. And so I figure they're smart enough to hear this. They'll say, okay, you've, you've nailed down that scripture says the Old Testament is scripture, the prophets are scripture, the New Testament is scripture, that Jesus' words, of course, are scripture. We're all Christians, so we believe that, that Jesus believed that all of scripture was God-breathed and real, and that he split it according to it being God's word, like the law and the prophets. But, 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 if we go to the point that you just said, where Jesus split the, the scripture into two, and probably three, because it goes along with the Jewish tradition of having the Psalms and the Proverbs, and then the law and the prophets um the prophets are clearly god's word because they're called prophets and the psalms we know are prophetic because jesus calls david a prophet and so the new testament um but that leaves one last category the law perhaps the law is not god's word because the law was written down by moses yeah 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 and we hate the law because the law says things like you you shouldn't sleep with another man or you shouldn't sleep with people who aren't your husband or wife and blah 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 things that modern people don't want <coughs> excuse me <coughs> well and uh, <coughs> stuff that mandates more morality <laughs> and honoring god not killing babies sorry just recovering from a cold <laughs> <laughs> probably the same fever that, that theater got uh so Let's prove out that the law itself is also God's word. If you didn't already believe the fact that it says all scripture is God's word and whatever else, take this too. Moses is the one who supposedly wrote the first books. The Bible we say supposedly because that's what scholars say, but really Jesus says that Moses wrote these things in one of the quotes that we know from Jesus' words that, Jesus, that Moses wrote the law. Um, that mean, means Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In Exodus 33, uh, Moses is said to do this. Here's Exodus 33, 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So here's, here's a quote. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. We know that, that Moses spoke to the Lord on Mount Sinai. 
um, and receive the Ten Commandments from him. So some might try to limit his exact prophecy to that and maybe other places where he directly quotes God. But we would say even this portion showed that uh, Moses was in direct communication with God, just like Isaiah or Jeremiah, in fact, more so, because those men either saw visions or they heard the voice of God or they had the, the, the compelling of the Spirit in them to speak the words they spoke. But Moses spoke face to face. And in fact, there's another prophecy later in the Bible that says that the Messiah will usher in times like this where you speak face to face with God. So even the law is absolutely the direct word of God, um, not necessarily his direct quotations, but directly inspired by him because Moses, who wrote the entirety of it, was speaking with God face to face. And so my final summation is that the, the hyper-liberals disproved, right? We, we showed that the Bible is God-breathed in its entirety. And so when you say that it's not in its entirety, or maybe it's just red letters, whatever, red letter people are disproved because Jesus's word points back to the whole Bible being his word, God's word. Um, and then the, the starting point for people questioning the veracity of scripture, scripture is almost always either the law or specifically Genesis, because people hate Genesis because it goes against evolution and they don't want to be embarrassed about believing in non-evolution. And so I, I know personally, Isaiah used to be in this podcast. Um, when I first met him before we did the podcast, he had gone to seminary, um, a Christian school really it wasn't seminary, but a Christian school that taught that first and second and probably third and all the way up to the flood portions of Genesis weren't accurate. In fact, I said the first two chapters of Genesis were probably later additions from like the Persian era of Judaism, which is super liberal, but they bring it in, even conservative quote-unquote Christians bring it in because they don't want to not believe in evolution. Um, they think it's foolish, they're embarrassed. This is your friend Isaiah, right? Yeah. Not the prophet Isaiah, okay. Because we, <laughs> we've been talking about... If you're a real, a true blue full, uh, found cause fan, you'll know that uh, the first five episodes of this podcast had uh, Isaiah in it. So he's like an old, old mm -hmm. co-host that moved. Um, in any case, that Isaiah, I just call him on him because I know him as a real Christian who experienced this, um, was suddenly thrown into a tizzy because of Genesis 1 and 2 and the fun narratives and whatever else, and disbelieving the whole of the word of God, questioning it at least, because of Genesis 1 and 2, which is included in the law. And we would say that Moses wrote the entirety of the law from Genesis 1 and 2 all the way to the end of Deuteronomy. And so we can rest easy looking at Exodus 33, looking at all the rest of Scripture that testifies the Scripture's veracity in its entirety, that they're entirely reliable, as uh, 2 Peter 1 says, that from the law to the prophets to the Psalms to the New Testament, it's all the word of God and is entirely reliable. Mm -hmm. Any last closing comments, Sebastian? I think we've kind of beaten it to death. Yeah, I was thinking it's probably best to, you know, to be gentle when speaking to fellow believers that are in this situation because um, I think with enough correct with enough gentle correction and pointing all these facts out to them, Jesus Jesus himself got himself referring to the flood or the creation of Adam and Eve mm -hmm. as he does in the gospels. Slowly but surely, I will leave it to the Spirit of God to work in the hearts of those people. I strongly advise this is not a topic to club someone over the head with, depending on the person. 90% of the time, I would assume, be very gentle because we don't want to alienate brothers and sisters over something that I think God is will easily work into the lives of those who are truly his sheep. Right. That's my word of advice. 
And you know, if it's the Trinity and other, yes, take out your swords and start slashing people. But for this, I would say gently, I would the Spirit of God will lead them in the, in the right direction. And I think that's it. I don't, I'm trying to think, if, if, is there anything else that we should touch on this issue? Well, just to speak it on the human connection, again, back to Isaiah, we had conversations with him. And the thing I said, I mean, I worked the creationism angle and whatever else to show that it really wasn't ridiculous to believe in creationism. But ultimately, I told him, and this is what I think actually like called him back to um, biblical orthodoxy in this point of believing all scripture was true, was that if you don't believe the Bible is true, you really have no way of objectively knowing what a Christian is, because who defines a Christian if not the Bible? Like your mom, the priest, some priest 500 years ago, a thousand years ago, like who defined what Christianity is, what the truth is. If we don't trust the word of God, then what do we trust? And that's when he was like, well, yeah, I guess the, we need common ground to be able to speak to fellow Christians, to be able to be a Christian. Like, what do we believe and why do we believe it? It's because of the scripture, not because of pastors or moms or dads. Like practically, yes, we were all taught by either our parents or a pastor or a friend or a book or something. We heard something. Um, but we can't just trust our pastor, our mom, our friend, or our own understanding. We have to turn to scripture as an objective means of what our faith believes. And so if the scripture isn't true, fundamentally, Christianity is not true. So yes, it is like life or death and the belief thing to believe that scripture is real. So we're incentivized to believe it. But I think we've thoroughly shown here from scripture that it testifies as being true. So it's not some unfounded belief to believe that all of scripture is the word of God. And you'll find it constantly, as we have just shown, that it refers to other parts of the Bible. Thus, even without us speaking, the Bible itself points to each one of the books was inspired by God right. and related to one, to each other. Mm-hmm. Last thing I'll say, you know it if you listen to us enough, we really hate um, philosophy that's built not on scripture. And it's because of this point. A lot of people that are philosophizers, we just reacted to inspiring philosophy a couple episodes ago, and he is indicative of a trend of people. He's not the only one that does this. Um, they don't really believe the scriptures are foundational to the Christian belief. They believe the events behind the scriptures are the foundation and that the scriptures, because they believe the scriptures are flawed in Genesis and other places they don't like. And so they don't defend Christianity typically using the Bible. They often defend it using other proofs like, oh, look at the magnificence of the toad. Who else could have made the toad but God? <laughs> I mean, I agree. Toads are great. And it's an indicator of their creator. But we're not founded on the complexity of the toad being the reason why we believe in God, we're founded on the scriptures. And so when you leave the scriptures, you really leave the only solid ground. We should not base any apologetics. I don't, I'm kind of of this strong opinion. We should not base any fundamental apologetics, defense of the faith on anything other than the scripture. We should not use the epistemological argument. We shouldn't use oh, all these different mm-hmm. arguments as our main argument, or really, I don't, I don't really think they should really be in our toolbox at all. We've done a couple episodes <laughs> and when they might be useful. So I'm not making a super blanket statement, but we really should always be coring down to scripture, not to human understanding or common sense or logic or philosophy or whatever else we really should be pushing down to scripture which has philosophy and logic and whatever else but those things aren't fundamental the word of god is fundamental and as jesus says heaven and earth may pass away but his words will never pass away so to the bible yep and if you are still on the on the edge on this and i believe in everything except for genesis or whatever wherever you're at understand that even the new testament jesus and Paul attest that all humans are created in the image of God. We exist in the universe of God. 
we're under his rules therefore they still would read the new testament even would show that humans react to the power of god's word so if, if you don't want to take it don't take it from me take it also from jesus and from paul in his letters that we should start in that foundation using the word of god to speak to people to address issues in front of others that we disagree with it's not just in in genesis that we that we see that we're made in the image of god and are subject to god in the new testament all throughout yep and that's why we have found our cause and serving that very same lord jesus christ i've been michael the man behind the mission and to my right your left has been sebastian the bookkeeper thank you for listening if you want to see the rest of our episodes you can go to foundcause.podbean.com gosh i have to slow that down those are just for our audio only downloads and you can download it and keep it in your phone forever um if you want to see our beautiful faces you can go to facebook.com forward slash foundcause or youtube and find us there we're also on itunes spotify and wherever else you might find your podcast until next time when we'll talk about something completely different i'm sure thanks for listening bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.